This episode is powered by Poddex. again for your another edition of Talking Pop. It's the podcast, all things pop culture. I'm your host, The Fonchise. Of course, joining me is my co-host, Biko. What's up, guys? Let you know, guys, it's episode 100. Wow. We made it. <laughs> Even though we've been doing this for almost three years now, so thank you guys so much if you were listening to us from the beginning. You know, 100, man, it's a big milestone when it comes to podcasting. I mean... I mean, we don't have near the numbers as, like, Joe Rogan yet. So, I mean, we'll get there eventually. To the thousands, we'll see. Um, other than that, you know, thank you so much, you know. Thank you so much to... I would pay respects to Podbean because that was, like, the first platform we got on there first. I mean, they were the first ones on there before we discovered Anchor. But I want to give a credit to them as well because, you know, they were the first ones to get our podcast out there first. Um, before we jump to Anchor... Um, but we do want to say thank you once again to Podbean, you know, giving us our start. Um, also, too, uh, thank you guys, the listeners, for listening to the podcast as well. And of course, we're doing our thank you for being up episode, because, I mean, this is episode 100, you know, it's special, you know. Um, so thank you guys so much for listening. Um, Stick with us, because it's like we're keeping our consecutive streak going, you know, coming out every Tuesday, recording every Tuesday, and have it, have it out the same day, you know. Some, pop, some podcasts do twice a week, some do, you know, once a week. You know, sometimes they take breaks, but so far we... Some people do it every day, looking at you, NPR. Yeah, so giving yeah. props to NPR, so I mean, at least we're we're trying to keep a consistent schedule and, you know, give it out, you know, every week we can. So, once again, thank you so much for tuning in, our U.S. listeners and also our international listeners as well. You know, here we go, episode 100, let's get it going. Uh, one thing, you know, came across this morning when I was, like, trying to stream because I, you know, trying to push my Twitch stuff on. And of course, I find out that Twitch went down. 
having like an hour and 20 minutes to my stream, you know, I was using my PS4, of course. And, well, um, why, don't, why don't you, um, why don't you at least describe what, what Twitch is? Because there might be some people who don't, I mean, as, as popular as it is, some people might not actually know what that is. Yeah. Or what it actually is, yeah. Okay, guys, um, if you know what Twitch is, Twitch is kind of like a streaming service. Like if you're a gamer or you want to follow somebody that does streaming, uh, Twitch is a way you can interact with um, your fellow Twitch streamers that's owned by Amazon. It was its own company that's why Amazon bought it out. Um, it's using an Amazon web server. Um, pretty much you go there, watch people play video games. You can sponsor them by subscribing to them to like a $5 subscription. And you can unlock like certain like, you know, incentives. Sometimes it's like emojis because it's like a chat so you can interact with the streamer and stuff. It pretty much helped them, you know, help them to the point they can get monetized and, you know, make money off of it. Sometimes people do it. Sometimes, you know, like get companies like, you know, like Activision Blizzard, they usually host like the Overwatch League. There's as well, uh, and there's more like competition, like the Overwatch League as well. Um, Counter Strike Go as well. I can say stream on Twitch as well. Like a lot of esports use Twitch a lot, but sometimes podcasts use it too. Like they're using the video aspect, they use the video aspect. You know, not just an audio. They'll use that as well to gain some, you know, you know, get some, you know, viewers. I mean, Twitch is internationally known. I mean, there's some in Japan as well. I mean. But of course, there's YouTube as well. So, with me, you know, this year, well, last year, you know, a little bit last year during the pandemic, you know, I was still working in my running job, but I decided, you know what? I'm going to try Twitch stream. I'm going to try uh, video game streaming. I did it before. I didn't, at first, I thought I liked it, but I got away from it, but all of a sudden, I just decided, oh, well, I'm going to do it on Twitch because I didn't have YouTube, and YouTube, I don't know, it's just YouTube, got, you get so flagged. And at the time, like PlayStation at the time, when it comes to game developers, sometimes they won't let you record, play certain games or block out certain cutscenes that they don't want people to get spoiled on. But I think now when you stream on Twitch, it's a little bit more more relaxed. So it's like some games actually allow you to actually show like certain cutscenes. But I think it's because depending how long you know um, the game's been out. I think when the game comes out, usually they wait like two or three weeks, like a month after the game's released to let you like you can actually spoil it, spoil it for everybody. Because um, I think like Cyberpunk 2077 has an option where you can take off like copyright music so you don't get flagged, mm. just to be watched out for. Because that's the one thing too is like try to be careful not to have copyright music on there. But yeah, so I started doing that, and you know this morning I decided you know what I do it my days off of work. I try to go on and stream for like an hour, two hours. Sometimes I do like three hours. I think once I did like a five hour stream, that was crazy. I don't know how I did it, but I don't know how those guys did it out there. So this morning, you know, I tried doing it, and pretty much um, I get up, you know. Get it all going, get ready to go, um, and you know, start streaming. Like there was nothing wrong. I used my phone as because I had the Twitch app, so I used my dashboard to so keep track like on chat and everything, and check like the, the, the hours and stuff, like the minutes and everything, and any chats or any activity. And I didn't realize I looked down, I saw like, and it's funny because usually if I get disconnected. Usually it'll tell you you get a pop up message on the system itself saying you were disconnected. It'll kick you out of the broadcast or something. Your broadcast has ended or got suspended, like it ended due to like server issues. Nothing. So, um, so I'm playing, and all of a sudden I look down, like, why is the timer like at an hour twenty one minutes? I know I got at least like two hours. So I checked, and it was funny too, because when I go to like the main dashboard, the usually you can click on it for comments and stuff in your broadcast stream. You know, give you options. I couldn't click on it, so it was weird. So I stopped, and I checked. And apparently it was on Twitter saying Twitch was down. And it, the only part that was down is like you couldn't you can't connect to being shown that you're live. So people can stream it, like people can watch videos. The only part that you couldn't was broadcast. So I don't know. And then I went on Twitter, like so many people started blasting them. 
saying, what's going on, Twitch, to begin the month, why are you doing this now, and apparently right now, as of right now, it just went back online, went on the website, and they had, like, an update thing, and they went back online, like, it was weird, especially on Groundhog Day, which is weird, so. Oh, yeah, so it is Groundhog Day, huh? It's also Black History Month, guys, if you're not aware, Black History Month, as well, so shout out to everybody. Um, yeah, so that was weird, that's like a weird with me up thing, so now it's like, oh, shoot, and then, like, so basically 40 minutes of gameplay wasn't shown, so it's like, oh, that's gonna hurt me now. So it's like, now I'm thinking of doing it later tonight, who knows, maybe I'll go on and just to make up those 40 minutes, but it's like, I'm so far into the game I'm playing, it's like, I'm just gonna have to tell, I'm just gonna have to apologize to the viewers, like, I'm sorry, you know, it's Switch's fault. Yeah, that, I mean, that's something you could It's do. not something I can't control, so guys, don't come at the messenger, I'm just giving you guys a message like, hey, Twitch went down for everybody, I won't be surprised, I'm not the only Twitch streamer that was having issues this morning. Oh god, no, I mean, there's a ton of people who make a living off that. So, like, it's only, I mean, and when when most of the market users that use the platform are relatively young of age, I want to say, what, younger teens, maybe even children sometimes, yeah. to, I would say, like, early adults. Like, this stuff happens, and, and, and considering that they're part of a bigger company, and and they have huge tech teams to work around the clock doing this stuff. It, it, it's it's impressive as well as how fast a lot of these teams can really put together and, and kind of fix the issue at hand. But also, um, I think people uh, people who are users of the platform fail to they fail at their own convenience because they they you know we we've gotten so used with the internet over the years to provide us with such fast service and all that stuff and i think people forget that um and we come from a time where that wasn't the ca- <laughs> that wasn't the case uh we had to wait for sh- days for something just to download so uh we can understand the convenience that the inter- internet has brought us but i can't say the same for other younger um, users who grew- <clears throat> who grew up with what the internet is today and how remarkably fast it is so uh Kudos to the people at Twitch working hard to get that situated on. And like you mentioned, since you stream on uh, PlayStation 4, Sony has always been, uh, I want to say, more of a... I don't think it's... It's more catered to it. Um, Xbox has has been catching up over these past few years, but Sony, I mean, has really done a good job of kind of integrating both platforms to where you can, you know, everything's... At the palm of your hand, so yeah. That's so what I do like about Sony is like they give you different ways to stream. Like you can have the built-in camera, you can get the camera to it, and you can have set up ways where you can want to show the whole game screen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like I said, with Twitch having the app, it makes it so convenient. You know, it makes it convenient pretty much to. Um, so going back to that, um, it makes it so much convenient because you can do a different ways you have a dashboard on the on the screen itself which shows the gameplay it's like cropped out but you can have like a thing where you can show your face on the top um you can do ones where you can cut the background off so i think you have different options you can choose from mm-hmm. but with me as right now when i'm doing my stream right now i'm just showing like the whole game i'm not showing my face right now because yeah i've got a big ass grizzly adams beard so i'm like yeah <laughs> been growing the quarantine beard but um yeah so that's like it, it, it threw me off because it's like you know, it's something that, like, I'm doing it as a hobby, but it's, like, the same time, it's, like, maybe I'll gain, like, additional revenue as well. You know, see how it's all about. I know it takes, like, about a year or two until you get, like, super famous, you know, to get, you know, so many followers. It takes time. It's not like people could do it overnight, you know. It takes time. Like, I, I read, like, things, well, it takes, like, a, one year or possibly two years to finally start making something with Twitch. Because the way that Twitch has, like, what I do like about Twitch is it do have guidelines, how you can get affiliate, because that's, like, the 
the best thing is to get to affiliate, but they give you like a breakdown what you need to do, which I do like. They actually give you goals, like we try to, you know, that I heard like the hardest one is just to get the average viewership. Um, followers right now, I'm like at 26 right now, so I'm like halfway there. I got at least 50 followers, streams of so many hours on different days, certain amount of days. Um, but the, they said the toughest one is just getting the average amount of viewership because they do an average. I mean, there's certain times where I had like four or three viewers watching at the same time, and it depends because you got to find out what your peak times are. And I do it early morning because I know early morning you can get a lot of listeners from overseas, get a lot of viewers overseas because you have a time difference. Yeah. It's just trying to find like those peak times. And I think a lot of people try to, sometimes they do the weekends because it's easier to do weekend evenings. But me, because I have a day job, it's kind of hard because it's like those days I want to go on, it's like I got to work. Yeah, I mean, that and that's what I like about um, well, consider like well, for instance, Twitch is very similar to YouTube. I mean, you can upload all that stuff, and YouTube being the monolith of video content as it is, so platform-wise, um, it's nice that people can cut your streams at different times of the day that's convenient for them. And I think that's what's really um, it's what re- it's what's really propelled that that industry and what it can really do for people who you know who can turn it from. Uh, a hobby of theirs to making it as a good side or supplemental income on their end. I mean, some people, you know, they've reached levels to where it's become their career, uh, i.e. Ninja. Um, there's a couple other people I can't remember, but it, it, it is something to where these, for for Twitch being under Amazon's umbrella, it's it's you would never really assume that it would ever go down. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, these things happen. It's not perfect, so I can I can understand you have to find the perfect timing too, so where you get a, where you get a peak viewership and. But I mean that comes with anything, right? Organically, when you build it, because, and this goes for podcasting too. Um, it's it's not the elephant in the room per se. It's more or less I can understand why people become haters to it, but. If you don't see it, like celebrities and stuff who have entered the space, albeit Twitch, albeit uh, uh, podcasting, YouTube even, these algorithms tend to favor them because they come in, and and I don't want to make it seem like my intention is to hate because it's really not, it's just calling it like it is. Mm-hmm. Um, the celebrities already kind of have a built-in fan base by then, so they... Once they transition to podcasting or, or doing Twitch streams from whatever they're doing uh, or even making YouTube channels, it's a lot easier for them to already have a pretty substantial following because of what they've done outside of the internet. Um, I mean, and what's nice is that the internet has blown up as far as what you can consider a celebrity, albeit uh being a celebrity on Instagram or Facebook, whatever the case may be, it's interesting to see that there's been a division on, on what, like, oh, you can be famous on YouTube, but oh, you can, then you see people of older generations who don't know, who are like, I've never heard of this person. Even I, I catch myself at times not, not knowing a lot of YouTubers, and I'm on YouTube uh, rather frequently, so it, it, it's, it's, um, it, it's, it's kind of not defeating, but you, you see where, like, you see where there's the the disadvantage and advantage when it comes to content creators who have to work organically as in they kind of built their stuff grassroots they build up their fan base because there's a, a different threshold of entry compared to well, who can I say for instance like Jimmy Fallon or Jimmy Kimmel clips yeah. from their late night show nobody watches late night 
anymore. Like, nobody really watches it. Like, it's the older demographics who still have cable, right? They'll catch it. And that's fine. Yeah. But these these people have an advantage when they go on YouTube because the YouTube algorithm that is watched by the executives, they tend to lean towards them right away. Like, just go on the feature landing page. Even if, like, if you go one day and sign in, not as your account, just like a blank slate, like you haven't logged in and you just go on YouTube, half of the content you see is made by, like, the top the top uh, YouTube channels or their already celebrity thing like Ellen DeGeneres, they probably rack up so much views and stuff and subscribers because they already have that stuff and they cater to it. Um, and if you're if you're if you come at it and think like, oh, it's it, that's not true, it is true. It's it's you have to be delusional to not feel like that's happening. I mean, and let's let's face it, you you provide the content for a niche audience that you find, and you do what you can with it. I feel like it's more fruitful that you build the fan base because it goes along with music as well. Um, and it's very interesting. I mean, you can find podcasts on anything. So it's it's incredible that uh, you're able to really build something from nothing, even if it's a hobby or, or something to where you you get to express yourself in a, in a certain area of expertise that you feel that you have an enthusiasm for. Um, and it sometimes gets defeating because you see these celebrities come in with like a built-in audience that sometimes like these these people have teams that like set this up for them producers right we have podcasting networks and we're seeing the game push into that I mean we saw with Spotify making a hard push into into developing podcasts and investing there we have Pandora doing the same thing with iHeartRadio we have so many of these outlets who are coming in. Um, that are trying to make a space there because it is killing radio at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of a transition that you have to adapt to. Um, so this is why it's like very appreciative to know that like uh, we have fans all over the world or people who do tune into us. It's it's always something that we don't take for granted because it is it's feedback and at the end of the day it, it is ma- it does make it worth it you know. Yeah, it does make it worth it, especially like you know just doing it. It's just like. You know, it's another thing with podcasting, you know, I know we're doing like almost like a tutorial type of thing, but <laughs> yeah. it, I mean, it's a hundred episodes, you know, it, just to give you guys an idea of how, little, like a little bit into what the process is, reflection time, like reflection time, we'll get into the new stuff afterwards, but just to get the idea of, for guys, I mean, there's so many books written out there, how to do it, it the whole, it, the easiest thing to do is, um, I pretty much for us to get into it was pretty much study, you know, is to know what subject subject you want to talk about. I mean, like Biko was saying, you know, there's a lot of stuff on anything. Yeah. So it's like, I was trying to find something because it's like, it's for me myself, I talk about so much other shit, it's kind of hard to narrow it down to one thing. I mean, to dedicate that much time to just one subject, it's kind of like that you got to have a lot of dedication to that. But I mean, they're, like, shout out to our friend Cindy that does a lot of true crime and paranormal, but she does, like, two genres. Which, yeah, and that's popular. And it's popular. And, that, and true crime especially, it's one of the most popular genres out there. And I like the paranormal stuff, so that, it's cool. Like, people that have, like, their niche in certain things, that's cool because they do the time, they dedicate the research and stuff. For us, for us, you know, I was trying to think, you know, I don't, I like, when it comes to research, I, I don't mind, it's like, it might be a school, but at the same time, it's like, for me, I'm more like, I'm a commentary person. It's like, I find an article, we just commentate, get our opinions on it. I'm more like a commentator when it comes to like stuff like this. So that's why I told me, I'm like, you know what, let's do like commentary, like reviews and stuff, you know, talk about pop culture, because what I like about pop culture, it covers so many different fields. 
Because at, yeah. at least you can touch base with certain niches. Like, if people like video games, we can talk about video games for, for an episode. Or movies. People love film. You know, we can talk about film on one episode. Or, you know, news. People like news because, you know, especially stuff going to the U.S., especially if you guys are interested, like, especially your international listeners, who want to hear what's going on here in this country. So that helps that. Or you want to hear how we're feeling about it. Like, are your opinions on that? So that's like, we try to give at least... A commentary, like an opinionated, like commentary on it. Sometimes you have know, me, me go to agree. Sometimes you know we have different opinions on certain things. Oh God, no, yeah. So it was like, yeah, and, and like I said, we talk about anime because I'm the big anime guy, or like Vico's music guy. We'll do something on music as well. It's like we we have certain things and quirks that we are good at, and some quirks and subjects that we're not good at. That's why it's good too to have somebody that you can bounce ideas off. I, I see guys that do podcasts on their own. It's like. They'll have a producer or something. But at least they got somebody they can provide feedback to. Yeah. And if you're like, if you're wanting to do a podcast where you just interview people, sometimes people do start talking to their buddies. That's someone they can get yeah, started. I think it's better. It's a better story because, like, I mean, I listen to a lot of podcasts like that too, where it's mm-hmm. like comedian based, and, and it's always fun. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you always run into the issue where they only really talk about like. I'll use Joe Rogan as an example. I mean, he's he's basically the, the I'm not gonna say Oprah, but like he, he he's probably the biggest podcast in the world. So like he he um, and I've been listening to him for like shit like four years now. Damn, I want to say so like yeah, almost five to where it's only because of when I was working, I had a different job where I had the liberty of doing that, but um. For instance, like he he'll bring on his comedian buddies. He, he's changed up his style a lot, but when he brings in his comedian buddies, they tend to only talk about like uh, the comedy store in LA, which is you know a big hub for comedians, and it, it kind of rejuvenated the Renaissance period of stand-up comedy. And I'm a big fan of it. But you constantly run into him when he does invite his comedian friends, and there's certain ones I'll listen to because I know of their yeah. material. It's nice to get their feedback, but when they only talk about like what goes into the comedy store that it's like like that gets tiresome because unless you're there it's like you can't really relate you can only build up an imagination in your head of how the area is and then dissecting comedy is okay it's interesting but it's also gets very stale because look stand-up comedy is an art form i'm not saying it's not and it is very difficult Mm -hmm. to tell jokes to people because everyone has a different spectrum on when it comes to humor but unfortunately, like, it gets stale because I'm just kind of like, when I have to hear him talk about it constantly, it, I, I, like, I'll forward it. And I've heard it all the time. He does repeat himself sometimes when it comes to certain comedians that are there. And that's his podcast. He can do what he wants. I'm not hating on it. It's just a critique. So it's just a matter of, like, I, I, and I've seen it in the comment sections, too, within Reddit in the, in the Rogan subreddit. They talk about it all the time where it's just like, oh, great. Here he goes talking about, like, they'll do it as a cliche thing. Oh, here he goes talking about the comedy store. I would, da, 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 da. And, like... I used to bat it off, but then I realized, like, oh, shit, like, it's right. It does get a little stale because it's, like, we not – he lives in a whole different world than we do. Yeah. He's pretty affluent. Like, he he wants everyone to start podcasts, but then he makes it seem like it's not – like, it's just so simple. And it, it, it – there's not – like, money-wise, you – it isn't the most expensive hobby to get into. No. But – it is something you need to invest in because yes. it's it's a lot of your time. It's a lot of uh, supplemental income. It, it's just a lot of work depending on what you want to provide. But when it comes to him, like he's a, he does have the the privilege of being able to. 
get a lot of different people from all walks of life to come on there. And that's what I like about it is that like you can go from a comedian to a fucking uh, AI AI software engineer, which is incredible. Like I like that that the yeah, scope. I like what, like with me too. Like with Joe Rogan, like I'll listen to it sometimes too. I think because you Eagle, you got me into it as yeah. well. And now I listen to depending on who's on there. Yeah, it's very it depends. Very like, that's what I like about you. you like you don't have to like the people that were listening since day one. You know, I applaud you guys. But one thing I like about it, when it comes to like interview podcasts is it depends who you want to talk like it depends who you want to hear from i mean there's so many good ones i can remember from joe rogan like the one rob zombie was really good yeah it was good i like about because it was like it was cool well i like about rob zombie talks about you know i like about not just he talked about music but stuff growing up when he was growing up at the same time what got him into the film what got him into making these films besides music yeah the long form is 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 it's a lot of four podcasts it's really good i mean there's some podcasts that do like 40 minutes or 50 minutes it's like little chunks. Which is fine. Which is fine. I'm not, yeah. you know, shitting on anybody. But it, I think with long form, what I do like doing, like, interviews when it comes to, like, like Joe Rogan does a long form, it's like, at least they're not being, you know, tied down with doing commercials. That's like one of the things with the Apple podcast is, guys, you know, it's a good thing to get sponsorships sometimes. It's like, there's oh. a lot of, like, services and stuff you can get into. Or, like, even, like, vendors, like, you can go on their websites, like, if you're interested. I mean, marketing. Like, for them. marketing. So it's like one thing too, and the same thing too is once you get yourself set up with a podcast, it's like like I said, once you get the equipment, um, it de- like I said, equipment it depends. You know, it depends how you want to do it. I mean, I mean, I I would suggest getting quality stuff because you don't want it to sound shitty. No, like for for, for like for us when we first started, uh, we were just using like our headsets that came with our phones. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, I went online, did my research, and I found these microphones, which so far have been really well. I got them for, like, like 30 bucks each. Yeah, you see it. And they're really good quality. They have a built, they got a filter, and pretty much, you can see, you can hear a crisp clarity of our voice, and it helps with, like, noise and stuff. Which is good. And then, of course, you know, I was still using, I still use my phone as a recorder, but, you know, what kind of this technology keeps evolving. It's just an example of how, like... And, like, the technology is Because You can get a mixer, like this mixer that I'm using right now, it's like I'll promote the brand, you know, free marketing guys. But it's called Maker Heart. It's a portable mixer, it's a Just Mic Four, which is cool because you can hook up three other mics and you can have it set up. And like, for the cool thing about it is, I found an app on my phone which works just like a regular recording studio app for like five bucks on Google Play, and I can use the USB to my mixer and it recognizes my mixer, and now I can bring the sound quality better. So that's like another thing too, just investing in equipment, just like I said. Do the research. Final equipment doesn't have to be like super expensive. I've seen people they'll, they'll get like those freaking roadcasters and stuff. Those run across about almost like twelve hundred bucks, especially with like you get the whole set. It's almost like two grand almost. So that's why it, that shows like how much it's like all about your investment into yourself and into the hobby you want to cover. That's one thing is investing yourself. Like for tip wise, you want to start podcasts. Number one subject. Number two, you can do it by yourself if you want to, but sometimes it's kind of easier to bounce off somebody. Yeah, and honestly, that could vary whether whatever you're talking about. It's um, good to get like another opinion. Yeah. Because if you're not that type of person that, oh, I'm not good at talking to other people, you're not that social, yeah, that's fine if you want to do it by yourself. But so, like once you get yourself open up to it, um, it's easier to get, like sometimes you can get like a friend or like a relative or somebody to help you out. You know, and then, you know, you can bounce off to, to the point when you get so comfortable then you can ask your buddies. It's easier to get your friends to come on with you. Yeah, I mean... It's yeah. much easier because that way you can get their opinions. Sometimes, you know, they have opinions they want to share. You know? 
it'd be cool to get like insight. You know, you know, sometimes when you grow up, sometimes you grow up different. Everyone grows up different, yeah. so that's what I can do. Get another perspective on the subject that you're talking about. Like I said, and then the equipment. The equipment doesn't have to be that pricey, but try to do your research and see what equipment works for you. Mm-hmm. So that's all you have to do. And then find, you know, you can do it off your laptop. It's nothing with the phones now. With phones involving to the point, phones act like just like computers. You can find apps like on an app yeah, on Apple store. You can find a studio app, and which I did. You know, it, it's that easy. Just just go online and just do the research. And uh, and the same thing too. Find a platform. Like there's so many platforms on there, but I know a lot of people Anchor has been I will say it's not like a go to, but I do appreciate Anchor because they do help you a lot when it comes to like Help you get a sponsorship because they will sponsor you at the beginning, and they still you, do. You should, yeah, and and I'll I'll um I'll also add that yeah, Anchor is nice that they kind of use their algorithm base to kind of set you up with proper sponsorship for wherever your podcast would be. But I also highly suggest that you go and do your own, some groundwork as well and, and try to fill out. Uh, plenty of companies have affiliate affiliate um, application landing pages that you can go on um, where you kind of provide a little bit of information on what you're, you're podcasting about and to provide you with your own coupon link. Sign up as an ambassador to a lot of these things because that's what really would help kind of support your podcast. I mean, everyone does it and it's it's a way to, yeah, to build a followership and a support for somebody that wants to. Yeah, because it's a partnership at the end of the day. It's like with us, like, I, like I'm going like, to give you an example you know, this is almost like, like I said, this is kind of like a tutorial episode, but hey, you know, for the people that want to be interested, because right now with pandemic, do you see a big upshift? Well, like, yeah, that, and that's you the get an uptick yeah. in, like, right now, this is a big uptick in podcasts right now because of the pandemic. I've seen more and more podcasts <clears throat> up, I think last year, it was like a much up. Yeah, it's it's an, it's incredible because so it's like, a said, space. Like Biko said, get an affiliate. Um, like I said, you can go to different outlets. Like this one right here, which I'm going to read the ad read right now, just to give you guys an example. It's like, because it's sponsorship, like, we got this sponsor from this company and this guy's, you know, he was a former um, engineer for like a marketing engineer for Apple and he decided to go into the podcasting game and he decided to create a whole tutorial classes and came up with this concept, which, which pretty much like these cards that pretty much help you with ideas or help you do icebreakers when you do interviews, which is kind of cool. So, and you know, we came across, I came across it and you know, Gave my feed, you know, fill out the application, like like Pico said, it was an affiliate application. Get yeah. an RSV and they listen to it and they say they like it. They'll get an email back saying, hey, congratulations, we're going to sponsor you. And then they'll give you your own promo code. And they'll say, hey, this is how much you're going to make off of it. Mm-hmm. And like I said, all you have to do is follow certain guidelines, guys. That's one thing, too. When you're affiliates, sometimes you got to read the guidelines and see to make sure what you can say, what you cannot say. Mm-hmm. Because it's all about, like I say, it's marketing, but at the same time is how you want to be perceived as. Because with this day and age, with cancer culture right now, you got to be really careful with your words. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. So, and then, then they'll send you like, like an ad read or something. Or sometimes they'll have a pre-made, like what I like about this, they gave us like the marketing tools. And stuff we can post on social media, like on, on like Instagram or Facebook or Twitter. Yeah, they're, just, they're talking points. They're talking points, yeah. but they give you a live read, which you can do like what we do every week. You know, it's an obligation, but hey, we're helping them out. They're helping us out mm-hmm. as well. So, give us an example. Right now, this episode is powered by Poddex. Poddex are unique interview questions and episode starting prompts in the palm of your hand. So, whether you are a new podcaster or an existing broadcaster looking to grow your audience or get more engagement, you want to check out poddex.com. Make sure to use the promo code TALKPOP, that's T-A-L, 
KPOP for 10% off your first order. Poddex are the hottest new tool for podcasters looking to have more meaningful conversations or gamify their podcast. Simply shuffle up, ask a question, let the content roll. Get yours today at poddex.com and use the promo code TALKPOP. That's T-A-L-K-P-O-P for 10% off your order. That's basically it. You know, it's just doing something like that. Because like I said, you're doing them a favor and they're helping you out in return as well. So they're helping you by following you as well. They give you up to date what's going on. If they got a new product they want you to push, they'll let you know. Or every month, they'll send you something that they'll keep you busy. They'll keep you in the loop, you know? They'll let you know what's going on, what's changing, what's not changing. And sitting with this pod decks, it's like they're changing now. Like now they have an app now. The guy, he was able to get an app made as well. So it happens because you help your partners out. So one thing too, is, but that's another point is getting an affiliate, getting a partnership, you know? Mm-hmm. I said, find a platform. Like example, you got Anchor. There's one of them. There's many other platforms, but Anchor's usually a good starting point. But like I think with us now, thanks to them, we were able to be on, you know, Google, Spotify, Apple, you know, Overcast, Breaker. Now we're on iHeartRadio. We're on Pandora now. Well, that's the thing. The main thing is just finding a platform that's is going to act as your distribution center. Mm-hmm. That's what that's what a lot of these companies that have found success in their business doing it. Um, because yeah, having to do it, I want to say the old-fashioned way, where you're submitting it to each and every popular uh, streaming platform for podcasts is that's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. But luckily, there's been businesses opening up that handle distribution for you. Um, there's plenty, at least for music stuff like DistroKid, very good for distribution. Um, there's 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 so many. Uh, Ditto Ditto's another one that's pretty good. It's like an independent um independent streaming service that uh. That also handles like digital distribution, which is nice. Um, shout out to them. They're in England, so they're a UK-based hmm. company. That's really nice. I, I've you can, fuck, it's free marketing, but you can generate like you know, album covers with really singles, really CPs, however you want. Um, but that's a good one. Uh, but yeah, all in all, we just kind of want to at least say that there's. I know with the pandemic being such a, a fucking buzzkill for everyone, it's it's uh it's been a good time to. Try to find something that at least gives you some some sort of spark in your life. Uh, and, and podcasting could be an option. And there's tons of other hobbies you can do. But that's just something that we've grown to uh, establish within our own personal lives. Um, but yeah, let's um let's get on to some news. All right, guys. Um, the biggest thing that happened this weekend. Oh, actually happened yesterday morning because uh, we were having breakfast. Well, I was say brunch or lunch. And it was something because, you know... I usually follow like social media and stuff, follow Twitter, and of course, um, if you're not familiar, um, the actor Dustin Diamond, a few weeks back, he was diagnosed with um, stage four lung cancer. He was going to like his first, he was at stage four, but he was going for chemo. Unfortunately, um, he, according to his representatives, yesterday morning, he lost the battle at age 44. Um, if you're not familiar with his work, he's probably known as Samuel Powers, also known as Screech. On the show, Saved by the Bell. Also, you know, back then it was like Good Morning Miss Bliss before it became Saved by the Bell. Um, but that's his most popular. But his most popular. Of course, he, you know, he wrote that book about that book about based on his what happened behind the scenes during that film and during that show. And you know, with the, with the you know the whole reboot out and you know they're with the whole reboot of Saved by the Bell, they were getting most of the cast coming back. You know, they had you know like Ruhiis who. She made play Lisa. She made an appearance on the show itself. On the first season, that was kind of cool. 
you know, Tiffany Amber Thiessen, Elizabeth Berkeley, Mario Lopez, Mark Paul Gosser. So let's go see them. I mean, they did mention this character. Apparently, they said this character was living on the space station, but there was talks that he was trying to go on there, if not second season. Um, I think because Jesus. based on the book he wrote, I guess kind of, kind of like pretty much, kind of crossed the line with his former co-stars. Well, because a lot of it wasn't true. Yeah. I mean, look, look I pulled up an article on Variety.com. Mm-hmm. It basically kind of goes into it, a lot of his stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but he he got a start in the in the movie industry with roles in the TV movies Yogi's Great Escape, an episode of It's a Living in 1987, and he nabbed his breakout role one year later, which he was cast in Good Morning Miss Bliss, which eventually turned into Safe by the Bell, and that lasted for 13 episodes until they had their their successful run for Saved by the Bell, and he was within there, and he did the other iterations with uh, Saved by the Bell, the college year, Saved by the Bell, the new class. Which he was, a, he was a main star in that one for six years, um, and then he appeared into a lot of variety of shows and films following his stint as Screech, among these being Made, Dicker Roberts' former child star, Four Corners Road, American Pie Presents the Book of Love, and his infamous 2006 sex tape Screeched, Saved by the Smell, um, and then they added like a blip on it that said like he Dustin Diamond told Oprah Winfrey. Uh, in the 2013 episode of Oprah, where are they now? That he was embarrassed by the sex tape and that the paycheck wasn't even worth it, based on what the follow-up he had received. Um, he said, "Looking back now, in my 30s, I realized I was really dumb." He said, "People to this day still look down on me. There's a lot of people who think how disgusting we are, and I didn't really do it. And imagine now with everyone having OnlyFans." But um, he also had stints on reality TV, including Celebrity Big Brother, Celebrity Fit Club, The Weakest Link, Celebrity Boxing too. I remember that shit. Um, and then that's when you mentioned the book, what is uh, his time with Save by the Bell franchise title, Behind the Bell. The book recounts alleged controversies related to the cast members, including himself. And then he was married from 2009 until he was separated from his ex-wife, Jennifer Misner. Um, and then he got into some legal trouble. Um, he was arrested in 2014 and served three months in prison in 2015 for stabbing a guy stabbing a man during a bar fight and then he was arrested again in May 2016 for violating the terms of his probation after that um and it says and there's like a they take a quote from his agent representative says we are aware that Dustin's not considered reputable by most he's had a history of mishaps and unfortunate events we want the public to understand that he was not intentionally malevolent Paul said he, much like the rest of those who act out and behave poorly, had undergone a great deal of turmoil and heartache. His actions, those, though re- rebukable, stem from loss and a lack of knowledge on how to process that pain properly. In actuality, Dustin was a humorous and high-spirited individual whose greatest passion was to make others laugh. He was able to sense and feel other people's emotions to such a length that he was able to feel them to a strength and a flaw all in one. So, yeah, I mean... It's yeah. unfortunate that he got cancer. He got the diagnosis three weeks before, and then, I mean, they do also say that he, uh, let's see, he did not suffer. The actor's agent, Roger Paul, said he didn't suffer. He did not have to lie submerged in pain, and for that, we are grateful. Yeah, yeah I do want to bring up the couple of tweets that tweets that his former co-stars um, posted, um, and uh, like three of them. Um, here's what Mario Lopez he posted a picture of him and Dustin. Um, it says here, Dustin, you'll be missed, my man. The fragility of this life is something never to be taken for granted. Prayers for your family will continue on. Um, Mark Paul Gosser, who you know played Zach Morse, 
He said, deeply sad to hear of the passing of this indictment, a true comedic genius. My sincere condolences to his family and friends. Looking back at our time working together, I'll miss those raw, brilliant, brilliant sparks that only he was able to produce. A pie in your face, my comrade. And then Tiffany Amber Thiessen, she posted something. Life is extremely fragile and something we should never take for granted. Godspeed, Dustin. So, yeah. So, it's like... I'm, it, he's... Like I said, I enjoyed his character in Saved by the Bell. I enjoyed him growing up and watching Saved by the Bell. And right now, look, you can watch on Hulu, so you can watch the original on there. But it, it's a good show, guys. Um, definitely gives you a reflection of what's, what the 90s and like the ladies, early 90s, like school, what, yeah. what they consider... Basically, a Hollywood take on school life in the 90s. Well, in California. In California, apparently. Like, the California life. So, if strange. you want to show, like, your kids, like, hey, this is what I watch. Bioman's Go Ahead. I mean, it does. What I like about it, it does tackle, like, serious issues. Yeah. Which is really good. Because at that time, you know, it was, like, I don't I think it was primetime almost, I believe. So, I like the fact that the writers did, like, issues that they had to deal with. You know, like, drugs, you know, addiction. And, um, you know, the one, the famous episode where they're... You know, Elizabeth Elizabeth Berkeley's character, Justice Panic, got addicted to caffeine pills. Yes. And of course, they have one with the drug campaign, the anti drug campaign. You know, like, and there are some times where there were some happy episodes. And of course, the sad ones, especially when Zach and Kelly broke up. Sorry, guys, I'm going to spoilers, but I have to give an example. The show's been gone since the 90s. But, um, but yeah, like I said, it does tackle a lot of teen issues as well. And it's a really good show. And that was cool, like, the character screech went out even to the new generation, too. So that was kind of cool, like, his character transcended to that generation as well in the late 90s. Because I remember seeing Saved by the Bell, like, the new class. And they were able to keep, like, Mr. Belding and Mr. Ray was able to hire screeches as his, his co like, his vice principal. So that was kind of cool seeing that. And, you know, I think that that, too, just to get, at least have someone from the former cast make an appearance on there. But I mean, he was probably the only one who wanted to keep doing it, too, because... Maybe he didn't feel like his prospects are going to be as strong as... I think it's characters. because of the whole, like, Todd casting, I think it is, too. Yeah. That's like I said, we'll have one Adam Glass and Batman, you know, how he was hard, hard for him <clears> to find work after Bat- the, the Batman run, and, you know... I mean, compared to the other co-stars they had, he wasn't really the main... I mean, he was the, the comedic relief, mainly. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just... That type of style was sick on the head back then. It's just piv- is is. It, it's peak 90s of what it could have been um, following following into what a lot of 90s sitcoms try to get away from towards the end, or, the end part of the decade mm-hmm. um, but yeah I mean it, it's it's yeah he, I guess it, it's sad to see another one go because it seems like every day I mean I, people die every day guys it's not it's not it's a no-brainer but uh, over these last couple of weeks it's always somebody new as far as somebody of, of notoriety that America puts like somebody you grew up with basic watching yeah, yeah I mean it's 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 part of life um, but yeah let's uh, I also wanted to mention because uh, that, that that broke news again and then a, a, and now another one since we're on the subject of the 90s uh, Marilyn Manson has uh, been on the news radar because uh, his I want to say his former ex-wife right because they're not married anymore but um, Evan Rachel Wood, who's an actress, uh, she went on Instagram and posted uh, a long caption basically accusing and spreading allegations of Marilyn Manson of domestic violence and rape that she had talked about for years. Uh, let me see if I can. And here's and it says right here, early Monday morning. Uh, this is the same article on um, Variety.com as well. Um, early Monday morning. Evan Rachel Wood posted to Instagram, 
The name of my abuser is Brian Warner, also known to the world as Marilyn Manson. He started grooming me when I was a teenager and horrifically abused me for years. I was brainwashed and manipulated into submission. I'm done living in fear of retaliation, slander, or blackmail. I'm here to expose this dangerous man and call out the many industries that have enabled him. Before he ruins any more lives, I stand with the victims who will no longer be silent. End quote. Um, so if you guys aren't aware who Marilyn Manson is, he was a big prolific alternative music, alternative rock music uh, artist from the 90s. Uh, and he's been, I want to say, an icon from that particular time of, of <laughs> not new metal, but it's like alt rock going into it. So like, Mm-hmm. His peers would be like what Rob Zombie is a big peer of his. Um, I guess you could say fuck like Corn, that type of that type of rock. Um, so Evan Rachel Wood has kind of found it. Uh, she's found a chance to and an opportunity to put this out into the world. And it said on Monday night, Manson went on his Instagram denied the allegations, writing, "Obviously, my art and my life have been long." have long been magnets for controversy, but these recent claims about me are horrible distortions of reality. Uh, my intimate relationships have always been entirely consensual with like-minded partners, regardless of how and why others are now choosing to misrepresent the past that is the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, however, the consequences already have we, has, we've seen with the internet um, Variety states that, but the consequences for Manson have been swift. His record label, Loma Vista Recordings, which was behind his three most recent albums since 2015, just dropped him Monday afternoon. So this is yesterday afternoon, hours after the Instagram post made by Evan Rachel Wood. Additionally, a spokesman, a spokesperson for AMC Networks, confirmed to Variety that an episode of Shudder's anthology series Creep Show featuring Marilyn Manson has been scrapped already. And stars, which which airs American Gods, on which Manson has a recurring role in the third season, is re-editing an upcoming episode of the show to remove him. And now CAA has dropped him, which is a management company, one of the biggest uh, representations of talent um, agency. Did not immediately respond to requests of comment as well, but they dropped the management dropped them. So uh, that's um, yeah, wild. Uh, I, I, I'm not, I think it's very important for the victims who allege of their experience of being abused, they should get their voice out. I think it's, um, it should be taken seriously mm-hmm. with any allegations of, of rape, sexual abuse, especially grooming. Cause they were, um, and I can look it up, but they were, I, I remember, uh, Cause I would listen to his music in the nineties, and uh, he was married to her for a while, but she was fairly young. Mm. So like, and then when you hear grooming, it's it's a term used a lot for uh, when, a lot for example where pedophiles kind of groom their victims. Uh, and so it's it's it, it, I'm not it's I'm not surprised that she used that terminology, considering that I do remember her being fairly young when they got together. Uh, see marriage and and uh and and like he like manson stated himself he was a he was a big controversial figure in the 90s too because of the combine shooting and how they uh remember how they would um the 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 shooters in their manifesto that they wrote was saying that they would listen to a lot of Marilyn manson and he came under fire he was on all the news outlets because he would interview him all the time and he was saying that like it's 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 not his fault 
And it's true. It's, it's not. He made the art. It wasn't the intention of getting people to get influenced by it. Like, it happens. Yeah. But... Uh, let's no, see. That's, that's, that's like... See, oh, okay. So they began dating in 20, 2007, and then they got... Oh, so they were never married. And then got engaged in 2010, but they broke up later that year. Wood has previously said that she's a survivor of rape and domestic abuse, although she has never named the person accused. So this is before she's finally put the Instagram post. So this was happening. She just never named it because I, um, I think there was a panel she was on not too long ago mm-hmm. saying that that she was she was a survivor of rape and domestic abuse, and now that she found the strength to, albeit on the social media post, to say that say to say who it was, and um, and I think this is stuff that's going to constantly get debated even with the Me Too movement. How um, it's kind of given the victims a, a stable platform to come out and and tell these uh, experiences that are just you know it's traumatic and so it is important that we take these things seriously and and even though they are allegations we must there still have to be you know that he should get his day in court and and and, you know with the proper representation they have to make this you know she has to find justice if this is truly what happened remember these are these are alleged allegations so we'll, we'll obviously keep in mind on how it plays out but uh it's um holy shit i mean he's he's got a strong fan base i mean think about he he has gone done acting i remember seeing him in sons of anarchy he comes out later in the series but yeah holy shit it's another guy in the 90s who if it's true i mean that's pretty fucked up and like he had even mentioned himself he does he isn't the most normal looking character so it's it's pretty fucked um but look, there's even people like Us Magazine made a thing for the relationship timeline. It, it's wild, and and like we like Evan Rachel would said, it's been happening for years. So it's kind of it, it's very disturbing to hear about it. Um, but that was something that kind of broke really early in the morning, and it's only been a, what a day, and he's already getting dropped pretty fast. Um, and he has been releasing music for years. I haven't listened to any of his new shit since then. Since yeah. way back then. I don't really have plans to do No, this. I think the only song I have of him is just Beautiful People. It's like the only song. So it's, it's because they kept, they kept using that song for like... They, they used it for like Smackdown. When they rebranded Smackdown for in 2001. Mm. They used that as the opening thing until they changed it afterwards. Um, yeah, it's... Yeah, I mean... That's like serious allegations of should we never take live of those because it's something, you know, that happened, you know? That allegedly happened. So it's like like I said, he'll have his day in court. So oh yeah. wow, they have a big age gap too. Mm. So yeah, I said um Wood has often alluded to Manson when speaking about being a survivor of domestic violence over the years. Wood and Manson's relationship became very public in two thousand seven when she was nineteen and he was thirty eight. Oh wow. Damn, he's kinda old. Um, they became engaged in 2010, but broke up later that year, right? So, whew, I mean, he did respond fast, uh, which, based on other uh, previous cases, a lot of these, I think what what really fucks up the people who are being accused of acts, certain acts mm-hmm. is that they don't go out and say anything, right? I'm sure their management or representation are the ones who probably advise them not to say anything, but in the in the court of public opinion, I think that puts you in a bad spot, um, and I think people forget because like they try to transcend reality with from the internet based on what's actually happening, and then yeah, they have to take it to the courts. But 
on the social media court, it's like they have already get shunned right away. Like it's it's and like we see it. He he got dropped by his label, by his his representation. Like and and look what he had also responded to uh, Marilyn Manson. All he said that my intimate relationships have always been entirely consensual with like-minded partners, regardless of how and why others are now choosing to rep- misrepresent the past. That is the truth. Um, and then a Variety's article also states that she, Evan Rachel Wood, has been talking about being a survivor of rape and domestic violence in Rolling Stone article in 2016, and that she has focused her activism on those issues. In 2019, she created the Phoenix Act, a bill that extends the statute of limitations on domestic violence to five years from, to five years from three. California Governor Gavin Newsom signed the bill into law in October 2019 and it took effect in January 2020. She testified even before the California Senate at the time saying that her abuser, her abuser had hidden his drug and alcohol addiction from her and had bouts of extreme jealousy, which would often result in him wrecking our home, cornering me in her room, and threatening me. This past fall, Manson ended in an interview with the UK music magazine Metal Hammer when the writer brought up Evan Rachel Wood's name. Later, Manson issued a lengthy statement denying any wrongdoing. So, um, yeah. I guess we're going to see how it plays out. Uh, I, I feel sorry for her. That's awful. Just if, Remember, this is all alleged, so in my opinion, that's fucking awful. And, and, and yeah, she should get, she should get um, support, and, and we'll see how it plays out in court, because that's pretty fucked up. Um, Remember, nobody's safe from that shit, and it's 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 crazy to see, um, and the music industry is um, it's unfortunately played with a lot of these people who they take their power to their heads and they do these yeah because wasn't um, wasn't Dr. Dre uh, yeah was me accused his okay. wife. His wife was trying to accuse him too of like infidelity and all that stuff when they're going through the divorce proceedings. I mean, even with the aneurysm putting him in the hospital and all yeah. that. But like, and these are alleged allegations. But yeah, that uh, not the only one. I mean, there's been several cases throughout the years. So a lot of them. I'm, I tend to see this a lot happening in, uh, in like, uh, I guess screamo bands, if you want to call it. From the past, it's mainly post hardcore bands that's the genre but they call it screamo screamo um a lot of like uh yeah the, uh, i i think the one i see more is like there's always like front um singers or something the front men's of the band they always i i remember there was a one band uh back in the day i fucking can't remember the name of it but the the singer the 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 lead singer of the band he he got he got actually arrested and all that stuff and served time for uh, I think he was like for child pornography possession and all this shit. Oh, wow. I mean, yeah, it was wild. Yeah, that's kind of like similar to um, the Navanka for uh, Rory Keshin. He got he got in trouble for having child pornography as well in Japan, and they take that thing really seriously. Yeah, and like YouTubers are starting to get popped at that shit too with grooming teens. And that one Rory Keshin is like one of the most popular manga at that time, and they were they were doing they were gonna do like a. Cause he went back to writing it. They were, they were doing a new anime adaptation of the new arc of it, and all of a sudden it, it stopped because when it comes to association, it's really. I mean, he served his time, but you know that problem is with that. I think it's not going to go away because he's going to be known for that. It happened. Yeah, I think there was another one too. Another manga got in trouble because he was writing this one. I forgot the name of the anime, the manga, but he got in trouble too for soliciting young girls as well. So it's like, shoot. 
because it's not just music it's a lot of industries so guys like I said it's something that, that not should be taken lightly it's really serious I don't know we were talking about all the serious stuff today <laughs> oh man fucking yeah. um well the big I know I don't know if you guys go to stock market and stuff and one thing I do want to talk about this thing's been going on like all last week they, thanks to the Wall Street Bets on Reddit I don't know if you remember when the game stock games GameStop stock went up the roof. Um, when the, it hit that surge last week, when the price and stuff. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, I, I didn't pull up an article because uh, apparently um, Netflix is already making a deal with to make a movie on Wall Street bets and GameStop movie. It's from CNET.com. This article's from CNET. It says here. Uh, one of the biggest stories of the year is a barely week old, but Hollywood is already calling. Two movies, including one from Netflix, are reporting the works to cover the story of the anti-establishment writers who trolled Wall Street. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> Since their Netflix says Zero Dark Thirty writer Mark Boland cites the pen script with Noah Centinello, star of the So All the Boys I Love, before next month's movies are attached to play one of the main roles. Um, this article is written by Jennifer Bissett from CNN.com. Um, she also says that pretty much... Deadline reported that MGM has snapped up rights to a proposal for a book written by Ben Mezrich, the same author who wrote the book The Social Network was adapted from. Michael DeLuca was a producer on David Fincher film, and according to Deadline, this new project would pair with him with Mezrich one for more. His little background has been going down since it for years, Wall Street investors have been betting that video game retail GameStop would fail. Yeah, I mean, yeah. He said the move toward online gaming, game buying world would eventually spell down. Spell down. Doom. The pandemic appeared to speed up those changes, too. Wall Street was sure the game stock would fall, that they made one of the most heavily bet against stocks in the market. And it says here, over the past few months, a group of Reddit users have been buying up shares, pushing up GameStop's value, and undermining Wall Street's big bets. At first, these former traders bought, bought because they believed the company was better off than the Wall Street dollars thought. Then as GameStop's value soared, Wall Street's bad bets started to cost investors billions of dollars. Dollars. Yeah. It's still going. As it's out there, the Reddit users wanted the price to rise even more as they waged an epic battle against Wall Street. At one point, the Reddit users from the forum subreddit R Wall Street Bets set the stock up more than 14,300%, though it's gone through ball fluctuations. It's better strategy to strike the movie chain at AMC and tech company Blackberry 2. So, <laughs> yeah, so basically, um, they pretty much what the the well the big main investors what they did what happened they bought it and they sent it to like a low price it was like what eight but it went the shares were so low they don't know one was gonna buy it because at the time GameStop was failing it still technically is failing I mean, right now they're closing oh, the, the writing's on the wall it, they're, it's they're going, going closing overwhelming stores right now as we speak so they're they're becoming extremely obsolete to the point that these big investors decide yeah. you know what we're gonna we're gonna borrow and pretty much. Throw these short bets away because no one's gonna buy it. Well, well, yeah, but a short bet is basically placing a call saying that the stock price of shares are going to go down, and so when you short it, it's basically the we'll say for instance hedge funds they use representatives buying like say I'm going to buy this stock for ten dollars and I'm going to place a call and short it to where I think it's going to drop we'll say like five bucks lower in the share than what is present. And so what these hedge funds do that on purpose is basically saying it's like a contract saying that like that person's going to spend your ten bucks to buy the share at that price and sell it back and then back when it shorts down it sells it back to them uh, to the hedge fund that he originally got the money for then you get profit as the representative because they bought it at a lower price but that basically puts them in uh, we'll say 
because it technically is a contract because you're going through a broker, mm-hmm. stating that you have to pay it at that price. But if you bet against that it's going down and it skyrockets, that's yeah. where the Wall Street Bet subreddit uh, people kind of the power of the people, right? So they got together. And they literally went like, no, let's butt splash the share. So now they have to buy at the present price. So these these now these hedge fund hedge funds who are extremely extremely cash rich are gonna be losing tons and because now they gotta pay just to recoup it back. Which yes, which has exposed stock market for what it truly is, a gambling ring for rich people, for the I want to say the hedge fund elites who go in. And so this is like the this, they're making a movie for a reason. It's the anti-establishment. It's actually the people coming out and using our power of a, of a game. They got fucked over by the game they play, so they can't be mad because they fucked. And now we see um, the SEC coming and trying to switch the rules up for them because they're pissed that they lost at their own game. And now they're trading shorts. Everybody was attacking Robinhood because they're backing out. The CEO was. Dancing around, like he has a video on YouTube when they interview him, and he was just dancing around the questions, not giving any. And he basically was just like trying to like fan the flames, and it wasn't happening um, because they started suspending trading on certain stocks, such as basically GameStop and AMC, and then Naked, we uh, the Naked company we see going up as well. So it's uh, it's incredible to see that like the hedge fund people losing because they don't, frankly, they probably don't know and understand the technology because they pay people to do it for them. And then we see the power of the people coming out within the, the subreddit community that's only been growing. Like I'm on the I'm on it I'm on the the main Reddit page right now. And if you go on the top the top uh, I want to say top links of the day at the right now, mm-hmm. it's nothing but Wall Street bets posts. Nothing but them. It's like all them and all the community coming yeah, strong. Yeah, I mean, there's an article right now. I just pulled up from like CNN Business. Yeah, this article. Look, written. it already it, it's insane. It's written by Paul R. LaMonica. Sorry, I have no put your name a little bit uh it talks about that you know how the short squeeze that propel and it, it talks about a little bit and this is what mark cuban said yeah it says here look at this says finally short stocks go around again in fact on tuesday mark cuban urged members of reddit's wall street bets community to stay the course with stocks like gamestop since i have no doubt there are funds and big players that short the stock again thinking they are smarter than anybody on wall street bets dallas mavericks owner and short tech investor said on reddit ama I know you're going to ta- hate to hear this, but the lower it goes, the more powerful Wall Street bets can be stepped up to buy the stock again. As after all, retailers have proven that they can push hedge funds around and they're likely to start focusing on their stocks and come out as they, th- they think can and sound and should move higher. It says their social investing is not going away, says um, Cameron DeHolly, CEO and founder and investor of trading app. This is a powerful commercial trend and we're just at the beginning of it. People have more information and power. Yeah, and it's incredible. I think it's it's... It's exactly it's exactly what they I, I love that the community has come together to really not only troll but fuck with them in their own game and th- and this is what they think and so now right now we're seeing it, the the share dip because it's a purpose they they now they're they're freaking out they're they're contacting the SEC to tell them to fucking lower it to scare the people but no as somebody I'm not I'm not giving you financial advice because it's illegal. I'm just gonna give you my opinion. Buy the dip, <laughs> buy the dip because they're doing it on purpose to shake everyone out who's gonna be scared that the stock price is gonna go down. But no, it's just gonna shoot back up. They're just waiting for the people who are, what well, I'm gonna say, easily frightened, to get out of that and to start selling their shares. But no, just hey, hold on strong, continue to hold because that's what they're doing. They're gonna try to, Wall Street's gonna try to shake you up. 
and, and this is what and like Mark Cuban states they're gonna they're obviously gonna look at other stocks but with these being so prominent and, and them getting fucked over because they never noticed yeah, and then Cesar de Holly is saying right now, he pointed out that younger investors in crypto, he says that they're, buy, they're starting to buy buying and selling stocks. Yeah. So he says that the rise of other popular stocks such as Tesla and Beyond Me are due partly to millennials and Gen Zers investing in brands they don't like. This is what he quotes. Younger retail investors are in touch with the changes taking place. They mm -hmm. understand consumer trends because they're the ones making and creating them. There are some millennials making a lot of money in their hedge funds pissed off <laughs> that retail investors are joining game or being them at it. Yeah. They're just don't hate the player, hate the game that you guys fucking carry in for the longest time. Well, you got a movie called Wolf of Wall Street out, and it's like, how do you not be inspired by that movie? <laughs> yeah, how are you not being getting invested? Because that's like something to do with that. That's what because uh, that's all about like investing is all making your money work. That's what Jordan Belfort was doing to them. He would basically do that with penny stocks, and that's what he started. But he was, I mean, he was doing a lot of legal shit, but. Yeah, that's he just being at their own game, and that's the same thing. This is like, and he actually has a pretty good podcast too because he talks about it. But um, now that he's out of jail, uh, I still need to get his book. But yeah, that's that, it's in, it's incredible that this has become uh, it's shaken up everybody. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the fact that Netflix is about to do a movie because there's a, a movie on Netflix that I would recommend. It's the Big Short with Christian Bale's in it, and it talks about how basically we got the the banks fucked us over and bailed out the the or uh, the government bailed out the banks and stuff during the subprime mortgage crisis back in 2008 the housing bubble mm -hmm. when that bursted um and that's the one thing i don't i i didn't like that obama did was that the government came in and bailed all those fucking ba bailed the banks out and stuff with our money yeah with our money and the big short does a great job of of uh, depicting it, um, Christian Bale's excellent in the movie. Uh, recommend it. Watch that shit, and to, if you want to understand what these fuckers do, uh, what they get away with, being basically gambling their shit to take advantage of other people who are uh, who might not be as well educated when it comes to real estate, and we bail them out. And so this is why they rely on on. This is why they are getting afraid now because they're fucking up and they're scared because they're going to lose a lot of money. And look, they have a lot of money to lose, but it's it's incredible to see that the people are, are you know beating at their own game, and it's only going to continue. Like the fact that they were doing, they would make these calls, these trade calls by themselves behind closed doors, and not anymore. Like uh, it's incredible to see the community back it behind it and, and coming around and and taking advantage of social media and being able to like everyone get onto this and it's like bah, bah, bah. It, it's it's the, like grassroots to a T. So it, it's funny to see. I'm, I can't wait for the movie when it gets made because it's going to be funny. Yeah, but like, I just saw this amazing. article too by Samuel Hardy from CBR.com. He says, GameStop stocks probably won't save the company. Uh, even though it says here, GameStop is mostly no. used for wrong reasons late, but the stock drum lets people talk about the chain for telling expected reasons. After predicting the GameStop stock will go down, Melvin Capital Management decided to try to search among others, try to short it. Because the plan was to borrow GameStop shares, so then buy every pay to value GameStop shares after the stock decreased in value. So that's, that's kind of like what basically was the start of this whole thing. And of course, Wall Street bets heard about the scheme, and that's what happened. Um, and it says here, investors bet against GameStop never considered the stock's might increase in value. They failed to account for Wall Street bets. That's what happened. The problem is, like you said, they had to like pay it, but of course pay more than what they were short betting against it. They're still short selling it. So that's what happened. And pretty much, you know, it 
drew a lot of attention and stuff. And then it says here, even though it's what happened with StockBell, it's not going to stay the company because right now, even though GameStop has been around for 20 years, I remember back in the day when it used to be Babbage's. Remember Babbage's, Funkoland, Fuck. Electronic Boutique, EB Games. Remember EB Games? Well, that's still in Canada. Um, But it says here, like, it was cool at that time, you know, we had overnight launch parties and stuff, but right now it's been... It's a shell of its past because of greed. Right now, it says they're unlikely that situation at GameStop, the company closed hundreds of stores after the COVID-19 pandemic forced to already precarious financial situations from the article itself in the tech corner. That said, our finance digital sales model may turn things around. GameStop did saw a 257% increase in e-commerce sales in the third quarter. Uh, 2020, though its overall sales were down by 30% from 2020. I think it's because, of course, it's the whole convenience of buying your games digitally on your platform's marketplace. I think that's what kind of hurt GameStop. I mean, GameStop tries so much to, you know, they try to put their stores, is try to add like other products in there, not just games. They try to be the consumer collector. I think that's what brought people in collecting because they had like a fixed merchandise. Gaming merchandise, stat, anime statues, you know, collector statues. I understand the, the graphic they were trying to track, but at the same time, is, is the only time you get sales is if you buy used games. I think that's the only thing that kind of killed it. And like I said, the only time you can buy something from GameStop, they have like a certain exclusive add-on thing or something exclusive where, oh, if you pre-order GameStop, you get this in digital content. That was the only thing that kind of saved it a little bit was that. Mm-hmm. And also the convenience of people that want to go to store, they could just be the convenience of Orient Line, which they did work for them alone. As you can see, it did have an increase in their quarter, but at the same time, it didn't help them in, you know, keeping those other store, underwhelming stores open. So, like I said, guys, um, <laughs> younger investors keep investing. That's all I can say. Um, um, one thing, too, I want to bring up, um, we'll do a little anime corner. Something I just pulled up right now from combo.com, article written by Evan Valentine. Um, Crunchyroll, if you remember, Crunchyroll is still, right now, the whole foundation and Crunchyroll agreement is still in effect. Even though the sale hasn't been approved yet, because again, they have to go through financial courts to get the approval of the purchase. Um, I pulled this article right now because it was written today. Evan Valentine wrote this article. And the headline is, Crunchyroll developing original anime with Idris and Sabrina Elba. Says Crunchyroll has been in the news lately. Found that acquisition soon shares by Funimation's parent company, Sony Entertainment. But now a new name series will be created by the platform side. Idris Elba and Sabrina Elba has once again brought to the forefront with the series Dentai, described as an Afro-futuristic science fiction series, being produced by the Well Hollywood couple. It's another big step forward for Crunchyroll, remains one of the most recognizable streaming services with the main anime. Because right now, I just read that Crunchyroll has over four million subscribers. It just announced the formula. Even though they're getting bought, they're still getting seeing an increase of anime. It's because now with anime becoming more and more mainstream out here in the West, because that's described as Westerners, um, it's become more mainstream. It's become more recognizable. Since now you can go to any store, you see anime merch. Yeah. Everywhere. It's become a norm. You can go to Target, you see anime merch. You go to Walmart, you see anime merch. It's becoming more and more mainstream. And it says here, um, Crunchyroll General Manager Joanne Witch had to say this about his partnership between Crunchyroll and the streaming service and Sabrina Travel. I will just receive reports and quote. For more than a decade, the anime and inspired originals, Crunchyroll has been leading the change for the popularization of adult dramatic animation, and we are fast becoming the epicenter for the next generation of animation fans. As evidenced by incredible growth from extra users and subscribers, Gens Y and Z have experienced superhero fatigue and are hungry for new stories and ideas that our creators tell. This development deal with Sabrina and Helba is another example of how we're working with the best in class partners to bring in new audiences and tell fresh and compelling stories to a medium that transcends genres and generations. 
and this is what Idris and Sabina said about their statement. Um, we're really excited to be announcing this deal in our first anime. We're both fans of the genre and have seen a huge opportunity to create something unique for Powerhouse like Control. The story of that type is our first collaboration as producers together and it's one that's close to our hearts. Um, if you um, if you want to see something like similar to that, I kind of like that a lot of like, um, African Americans are going to the anime industry, which is kind of cool because you, it's cool that black, they're, they're promoting these creators. Uh, I think Michael B. Jordan, big anime fan. But he's not embarrassed to say it because every time they do, he does interviews. They even ask him, "Do you watch?" He's like, "Yes." And what's your favorite Naruto? He did like a compilation with Coach, yeah, and Naruto, and then he's done um, work with the um, Rooster Teeth called Genlock, which you can check out on the website. I think it's on HBO. It's coming soon to HBO Max, the first season. He does. That's something he produces himself. He works for Crunchyroll. He does the voice of the main character. It's called Genlock. I think they're doing the second season, but they got like, good actors in there. They got Maisie Williams in there as well. Um, it's CGI, anime inspired. It's like about the feature and stuff. Definitely check it out. Things coming soon to HBO Max, but you can watch it on the Crunchyroll site or Verb. It's still on there. Um, and then there's, there's an anime documentary on Netflix, and does showcase um, different creators. And there's one by an American creator called Candle Busters. Is another one, which is on Netflix. It's on Netflix. Netflix is starting to invest more in the uh, anime game itself. For the name of the documentary series, Netflix. Anyway. Well, yeah, I mean it's a it's a boom market. It's that even though it's very much niche entertainment, it's it's starting to really get a good foothold here in the West. And, uh, okay, it's called Enter the Anime. It's a documentary. It's like 15 minutes, but it's a. Uh, it, it talks about the different creators and stuff. It talks about the guys behind the certain animes or like Netflix originals. It talks to people who made Castlevania, uh, Retsuko, and Kenganashura. And they also talk about other creators as well, like Cannibal Busters and stuff too. So definitely check it out. It's anime, but yeah, like I said, that's why it's like right now, it's like, like I said, anime's become more mainstream. Because people think anime, they think, oh, it's for kids. No, it's not. It's never been made for kids. It's more like the teenage demographic and young adults. Because it has adult themes in it. I don't know if it was made for kids. I just feel like it's... It was never made for kids. It was more for, like, the young I, teen. It was I just always... think it kind of get panned because it's just, it takes, it's like certain, it's a certain audience and, and how that gets portrayed. And, and, and not a lot of people, not a lot of people are into it in the sense that uh, it's it's pop culture to an extent. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though at least here it's... it's it, I'm trying to think of what I could compare it to. It's like, uh, like when you're watching wrestling. It's like that. It's very niche. Like, it's been around for a while. It's just that, like, there's a particular audience that's there for it, and not a lot of... It doesn't get its mainstream credit because it gets this weird stigma. Um, and that's not... That's not the... I've, I haven't... It's, it's more or less, like, people who cater to that stigma instead of what it actually is. I mean, there's a ton of people who watch it. Like, I, I remember fucking going to school. Half of, there was, like, an anime club at a couple of universities I was at. And, and it... It's always been around. I don't. I, it's 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 just a different cup of tea for people. Some people just don't drink tea. That's what makes sense. But like that's what I would compare it to at least when it comes to the Western. It's just it's wrestling. Like it, wrestling had its had its mainstream popular in the nineties, and now it just has its niche audience. And now anime is getting it's like it's getting its major run here in the West and uh, in America. So like the Western civilization, considering it's from Japan, right? So like. 
it's it's getting its due now. Like so, it's it's kind of taking the pole of of uh, another source of entertainment that it's. I mean, if it's yeah, on Netflix, right? And so, plus, too, if you're burnt out from the superhero stuff, I think it's yeah, like, it's like yeah, it's plenty of different stories, right? Different stories to tell. And what's cool about anime is it's what it is. It's there's so many different genres. There's so many different genres they cover. Like they cover science fiction, they cover fantasy, they cover romance, um, they cover sports, um, they cover horror, drama. Um, there's um, Yaoi, which is boys love, or Yuri, which is girls love, girl on girl. Yaoi's boy and boy. Um, there's romantic comedies, there's romance ones. There's ones that play with your head, you know, like thinking game, the thinking um, anime as well. And of course you got the films as well, because you got to see so many different directors that do a phenomenal job. Like, I would say, Hayao Miyazaki is one of the big um, directors. He's kind of almost like the Steven Spielberg when it comes to anime, when it comes to anime film. To the point that Disney called Winnem and helped him distribute the films out here in the West. And for, to get the dubs, they get like really endless actors to do the dubs for these films. That's why Spirit Away became like the award winner, Academy Award winner in 1999. Being like the first like, animated, like, international animated film to win the award. And then, um, Remember that movie we saw, Your Name, was really good. We saw that a couple years back. Really good film. There's like some good, good films out there. Um, that's what, like I said, like like Pico said, anime, you know, it could be good for some. But like I said, for, for you, like say you want to get into it, I'll say for my suggestion, if you want to get into anime, the first thing you need to do is, um, you can check out my anime list if you want to get one opinion. Mal.com. Um, it's a Miami list. It's like a database where they'll show you what's trending. It's rated. Usually, it's rated by fans. It's actually rated by fans, which I do like because it's rated by people who watched it. So you get a good idea why they liked it, why they didn't like it, why it has this many rating. But you can look on here. They got different categories like how the top, you know, shonen anime, the top shoujo. Shonen is usually aimed to the male demographic. Shoujo is aimed to the female demographic. Seinen is more for like adults, like young adult. It's seinen means young adult. Um, and like I said, what's your favorite? If you're into like you know fighting or if you're into like sci-fi, the best one I recommend you get into is Cowboy Bebop. Because that's to me that's what that was to me. I always credit that as the anime that brought me back into anime. Because as you know, I don't know if you heard episodes back, but just a refresher. Early '90s, I grew up watching anime. But of course, the anime we got here was heavily dubbed, heavily censored, because there was no dedicated streaming service at the time. And the only time we ever watched anime was you had to go on Cartoon Network on TV. And promise, due to the time they were showing it, they had to dub certain things. They had to like cut out certain things because they were trying to get the kid market. I remember watching Sailor Moon when Deke distributed. They had to like cut so many things. And they had to change the names of the characters, which I hated. Which I didn't realize I hated at the time. I was unaware, which we had so we didn't know. They gave them Americanized names. And it's like, they went to the T, where, you know, they heavily censored it to the point where, I think they'll say the moon in later episodes. Um, this, these two characters are obviously in a lesbian relationship. But, of course, they kind of cut it out and wrote it off saying they're cousins. So, wow. so now, jump back to thousands. When they had Don't Swim, they started showing anime Don't Swim. Now they start showing when that was late night, they were getting ready to push back this heavy stuff. Look at me, I was already grown. I, I burned out from at that time. I got in the car by Bebop. I'm like, holy shoot, this is what's on here? 
Because when people see anime, they think of all oh, Sailor Moon, Dragon Ball. Ugh. Well, that's because that was what, what took ground. And then what, Pokemon? And that's Pokemon! What took, that's, like, what, um, that's what took ground here. Because that was the easy, like, the easy marketable shit, you know? Because those were very easy plot points to follow behind. and It was everywhere. And, and, and it did help that they were on some pretty major channels. And, like, they were on local TV, too. So, like, their, their reach back then was definitely uh, propelled with with the mainstream TV culture. But, yeah, like, now you've mentioned it. Um, considering that they get all their source material from manga, like... From manga, yeah. The thing is, too, that's how I got me to manga as well, because I didn't know. At first, I thought, you know, all anime was original. There's very few original ones, but most of them are, are driven from manga itself. That's what got me into manga reading. And, of course, you know, I read the original Dragon Ball in its manga form, which was really good. Mm. Um, and then, of course, I jumped into Naruto. Naruto kind of like, and like now it's like I collect more manga now than comics. I think I stopped collecting. The only comic I collect now is like the Hedgehog. But now it's like I'm still wearing Marvel and stuff. I got like Deadpool and stuff. But I'm thinking I'm more like into manga more because it's convenient. Like usually volume costs like ten bucks, but you get a whole bunch of chapters in it, and it's you know, and you get to read it in the same form that everybody else reads in Japan. And plus, you get ahead of what's going to be animated as well, because then it puts you into preparation of how the anime is going to how the anime is going to translate it. Because sometimes, when it comes to the anime studio, sometimes it will take certain elements from the manga, but sometimes they'll, they'll twist it around. The same thing with films when they do films based on books; they'll change like certain things, mm-hmm. and they just to make it really, you know, interesting. So, like I said, if you want to get into it, I do recommend. You know, Cowboy Bebop, if you want to get into anime, I always tell everybody who wants to get into it. Uh, as Cowboy Bebop will be the first one to get into. And also, too, check out my anime list. Check that out if you want to know what's the popular ones out there. And look at their opinions. Look at what they say. And give it a shot. You got Crunchyroll. You got Hulu. You got Netflix. You got High Dive. And you got Funimation. So you got like five sources of where you can get your anime. Or if you want to support the creators themselves... And I've read the best way to support like the manga creators is to not only buy the manga, but buy like the Blu-rays and like DVDs. Because apparently in Japan, that's the biggest market to get from. They don't get much from streaming. They get much more from the actual merchant, from the actual Blu-rays and DVDs mm-hmm. and print media. I mean, the toys you can get the toys too, but that's the majority. Said the majority like the mangas get is more from book sales and like anime sales. Was for manga card to get their stuff added to an anime is like a big honor. It's like a big accomplishment. Because mm-hmm. that this publisher put investment in you, but a studio wants to invest in your work. Well, that and I mean, it's it's it becomes it, it transcends uh, its own popularity into being something that's marketable and turned into a business venture because it shows that it, a lot of people think highly of the the property or. Or they just—it's successful in its own right, right? So they can sell it at the end of the day, and that's good. That—that's good. It garners support from um, an old medium such as just reading paperback books, um, and, and it's incredible that that still holds tradition, um, considering the, the the technology developing at at a rapid rate these days. So it's it's 
it's it's incredible to see that Japan really has held an institution when it comes to providing this type of uh, entertainment, yeah. this type of reading entertainment. And oh, I do want to mention they do have some music anime as well, like musical ones, like rock band style. Yeah, I mean, there's there's like there's so many genres, guys. But like I said, check out my anime list. Um, I do have an anime recommendation for the people who are season anime viewers. These are one of the new animes that came out this winter of 2021. It's on Funimation. It's called um, Bottom Tier Character Tomozaki. Um, pretty much, um, and I saw the when we were in the bookstore earlier today. I saw they had the manga out too. So I didn't. I, at first, I thought it was original work, but it's an actual manga as well. I mean, I'll read that later on if I'm into it because I'm trying to read different genres of manga. But um, to give a good opinion about it, like a good, I pulled up from Anime News Network like a little summary. Right now, it's only like four episodes so far. It just came out. It's on. It says here, Tomozaki is one of the best gamers in Japan, and in his opinion, the game, the game of real life is one of the worst. No clear-cut rules for success, horribly balanced, and nothing makes sense. But then he meets a gamer who's just as good as him, and she offers him to teach him a few exploits. So basically, she's like, he's like, he's like one of the top gamers in this game called Tactical, Tactical Family, like Family, which is a parody of um, Smash Brothers, but it's called Tac Fam for short. And you're know, playing like almost like a Switch almost. Um, and he's a gamer. He's like social outcast, you know. Doesn't really talk to anybody. And then he ends up, you know, this other gamer meets him out, like sends a message like, hey, you want to meet in real life? Finds out that she's one of the most popular girls in school. And she finds out, and then she finds out he's like, you know, a big top gamer in this game. So he decides to help her out. She just decides to help him out to be social, talk to people. And so now she tries to make him think life is a game. A God-tier game. And it's real funny. It's, I'm already like four episodes in. It's only four episodes right now. It's on Funimation, guys. Um, they usually post it on Fridays at 6.30. I guess 6.30 Eastern on Friday. So that's so cool about these anime streaming services that will have the anime out hours since they're in Japan. But definitely check it out. I will say this is kind of almost like a slice of life. I don't know if it's a romantic comedy. Kind of. But I think it's more like a slice of life. It's in the school setting. That's what I, I, that's what I like about sometimes with animes. Like they'll have like these side of school setting animes where it's like, well, cool boys, you get to see what these mangakas think of Japan and their opinion. Mm-hmm. It's good to see how the, their school life is because you know they wear uniforms and all that stuff. And, but it's like a comedy almost. There's a comedy aspect to it, but it's not bad. Um, it's all right so far. I mean, of course, I'm watching the sub, so we'll see who if they if Funimation does a double of it. But so far, I'm enjoying it. So definitely, I do recommend it. Um, Bottom tier character Tomosaki airing Friday mornings on Funimation. Um, definitely check that out as well. Um, I do want to do check about something else here. I do want to pull up something that just came up on me right now. Let's see. I just pulled up something I just had right now. I have a CBR real quick. Besides the game stop, I do want to talk about something else. Ah, sorry guys, I just had it right here. Where is it? Where is it? I just saw it. Um. Oh, I do want to talk about WWE for a little bit. I do want to talk about wrestling a little bit. So, Pico's not here, but um, except we've been Mike so far. Let me talk about WWE. Um, this weekend was the Royal Rumble. And it was, I 
would say the big saving point of that event was the women's world all match, um, which was really good. And I would say congratulations to Bianca Belair. She was like one of my picks to win the Royal Rumble, and she was like the number third person at Royal Rumble. She held on and win. She was her real ugly last two, so congratulations to her. I'll do see who she's going to pick. She wasn't on Raw last night, so I'll get the feeling it's probably going to four. She's just probably going to challenge Sasha Banks for the championship. Uh, and then, of course, Edge, you know, he won the World Rumble at the starting number one. Of course, Edge coming back from like almost a nine, almost a nine year neck injury that pretty much forced him to retire early. He came back last year at the World Rumble, which was a big surprise to everybody. Of course, he an injury, his tricep injury comes short in the summer, and he made his comeback at this World Rumble, and he did not disappoint. Of course, being winded against a young generation of wrestlers, but I think they're doing this just so he can have like one big last title run, hopefully. Because I think there's one thing he said when he retired early that he came back just to have one like WrestleMania moment, like I won a good title run. You know? So we'll see how that goes. Um, overall, the other the other matches were okay, but I think those were the two that kind of like stand out to me was the women's Royal Rumble match and uh, the men's. But the one thing I do have biggest gripe is, of course, the Roman Reigns and Kevin Owens last man standing match. It was really good. There were really good spots in that match. The one thing that irked me, I could tell they freaking screwed up, was. And I saw WrestleMania. Follow him on YouTube. He's a really good commentator when it comes to all things wrestling. Um, he even talked about how you can tell there was a screw up. I, I mean, with wrestling, you know, it's usually predetermined who's going to win. But, you know, the good thing was telling the story, you know? And one thing they screw up was, you know, Roman Reigns and was down. And Kevin Owens handcuffed him to, like, a piece of the stage area. And the referee's about to count to ten. Roman knocks down the referee before he can count to ten. Red and replacement replacement comes. And all of a sudden, you know... He starts counting, then Paul Hammonds comes and tries to uncuff Roman. Of course, he's having he's struggling. You see the camera, and the funny thing, the referee just stops. He like stops counting because I think originally he wasn't supposed to count Roman out yet, and because I think Roman was supposed to win, and it kind of flubs. So everyone's like, "Oh, it's the eternal ten count." He's like, "The referee could have counted to twenty, and Roman would have still lost." But that's one of the biggest gripes. He's like, "Yeah, I was sluggish on the rest part." And of course, Paul Hammond, it's kind of hard to try to. Open handcuffs in a tight spot, so I like handcuffs. But there's some things that happens on live TV. There's usually our mistakes. I mean, yeah, they get hurt, but at least it wasn't like the serious injuries where you know something goes off script. But there was one thing that I think I was scared of. It was the Carmelo Sasha Banks match where there's a spot where Carmelo was supposed to jump and hit Sasha, and she and Sasha was trying to present herself to catch Carmelo, you know, so she doesn't get hurt. You know, the whole thing about wrestling is that to make sure your buddy doesn't get hurt. You know, for real. And her face like smacked the like the mat on the floor outside the ring, and I can tell at first I thought, oh shit, hopefully she didn't get gushy. You know, it was like right in her face, and I can tell like Sasha was very concerned because she contacted her back and looked at her like, are you okay? Like you can't hear it, but are you alright? Luckily, Carmella didn't look like she broke her nose or anything. She was able to get up and continue the match. So that's think that's one of the scariest moments because you never can determine the landings. You know, sometimes it can go wrong, it can hurt your knee. Hurt your face, you're getting concussion. But overall, the event was okay. I probably would give it a three and a half out of five stars. I'm being generous. So hopefully, and I just watched Raw last night, which was an okay program. Damian Priest made his main roster debuted. So far, they haven't changed anything. This character, you know how Vince likes to take these NXT call ups and kind of change them a little bit. So far, they haven't changed anything with Damian Priest yet. Hopefully, Vince lets him do his own thing. So hopefully. 
that's Vince we're talking about. We'll see what happens. Um, of course, right now they're doing the whole Drew McIntyre, Sheamus program right now. Sheamus turning heel. I understand Drew McIntyre and Edge telling Drew that you got to target me back because I haven't made my decision on the face yet at WrestleMania. Just be aware you, there's a target on your back. But overall, Raw was all right. You know, I managed to watch the three hours of it. You know, I usually just follow it online on you know the news and stuff. So overall, that's my gist of wrestling. Uh, Biko, you have anything to add before you sign off? Yeah. Um, I'll look at that. Two people. Uh, yeah, actually, this just came in. Um, reported at three o'clock. Uh, but Jeff Bezos, uh, if anybody knows, the the founder of Amazon.com. Uh, Jeff Bezos said Tuesday that he will be stepping down as chief executive of Amazon. So CEO of Amazon leaving the helm of the company he founded 27 years ago. Uh, I found the article on NBC News. Uh, Bezos will transition to the role of executive chair in the third quarter of this year. The company said Andy Jassy, the chief executive of Amazon Web Services, will take over as CEO of Amazon. In a memo to employees, Bezos said that the transition will give him the time and energy I need to focus on the day one fund, the Bezos Earth Fund. Blue Origin and the Washington Post and my other passions, end quote. Um, the announcement has set off alarm bells on Wall Street and throughout the business community, though the transition does not necessarily pretend any significant change to Amazon's business itself. Amazon reported a year of record growth on Tuesday, including a 38% increase in net sales from 2019, netting the company $21 billion in income, nearly double from the year before. Investors didn't seem too phased by the news either. Amazon's share price was almost unchanged following the announcement. Um, and, and remains to be seen how active Bezos will be in Amazon's business in his new role. Several major tech executives have stepped down as CEO and remained intimately involved in their company's business, including Larry Ellison at Oracle and Bill Gates at Microsoft. Bezos remains one of Amazon's biggest shareholders. Um, I mean, yeah. based on the energy, it looks like he's been with the company since 1997, so he's yeah. been there for a while, so... Which, well, we'll see how it goes. Um, uh, here, I, I found the memo here. Oh, you actually got it? Yeah. Um, oh, it's a long-ass memo, so... <laughs> um, yeah, he talks, man, he talks really big. Um, here's a full letter from Bezos to Amazon employees. Um, it says here... I'm going to read it just a bit. Um, fellow, I'm just going to read like a certain amount. I'm going to read the whole thing, but it's, it's real long. Um, fellow Amazonians, I'm sorry to announce that this quarter three I'll transition to executive chair of the Amazon board and Andy Jesse will come CEO. He's actually a role. I tend to focus on my energy and attention on new products and their initiatives. Andy is well known inside the company. He has been in Amazon for as long as I have. He'll be an outstanding leader and he has my full confidence. So, and he talks about, you know, when he, that was what happened a long time ago and stuff. Goes into that and talks about the whole things and stuff. He's in a pioneer one click and all the stuff they went, all the accomplishments, all the stuff they fought for, like the $15 million minimum wage and the climate pad pledge. You know. Nothing about him not paying taxes. <laughs> wow. So, well, like I said, we'll see how it goes. So, congratulations to Andy Jesse, you know. Yeah, congratulations on the promotion. Holy shit. Something to say. Nice little seven. bonus. So. Alright guys, um, thank you so much for joining us on this 100 episode of Talking Pop. We're still going to keep going. Um, and next year, we're going to keep going as long as we can um, in terms of our life. So thank you so much for joining us. Um, thank you so much to our main platform anchor for supporting us after all for a couple of years that we've been on here on this platform. So thank you so much for sponsoring our podcast. A big shout out to Poddex. 
being our affiliate partner as well. Thank you so much as well. We do appreciate it. Um, I thank you to listeners as well. Listeners in the U.S., also listeners around the world. Thank you so much for tuning in every Tuesday and while you're driving or working out, having a coffee. You know, thank you so much for taking your time to listen to us talk shit. <laughs> yeah, basically. Basically. So, thank you so much for supporting us this year. Um, this is, we're going into our fourth year in September. Wow. <laughs> um, don't worry. As long as there's stuff happening in pop culture news, we'll be here to commentate on it. Thank you so much. As always, geek on. Take care. Wear a mask. Wash your hands. Social distance. And we'll see you all again next week. Hey, it's the franchise from Talking Pop with the franchise of Biko. Just letting you know, we have a storefront. It's teespring.com slash Talking Pop. We got shirts. We got tank tops for men, women, kids. We also got hoodies and sweatshirts. Um, we actually have coffee mugs, and we have an iPhone case and a Samsung case with the Popstronaut logo on there. Also, we have stickers, so you can put on your locker, on your laptop, wherever you want to put those stickers on there. So right now, if you go to teespring.com slash TalkingPop, and when you go to check out, use the promo code TalkPop and save $5 on your order. Support the podcast. As always, geek on and take care.